Hey, Salman, thanks so much for joining the Sustainability Champions podcast. Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, wonderful to connect and uh, great to be here. Appreciate it. So the way I like to start these conversations is just to get a high overview, big picture view. Um, uh, so what is the elevator pitch for Clipbike? So we are a clean mobility company and we are building a plug and play e-bike tech, e-bike upgrades. Uh, we consider this a new category in the way that e-bikes uh, can be upgraded. Uh, we want to make it really easy to upgrade all regular bikes at scale and uh, leverage that to create the world's most affordable electric mobility platform based on bicycles. That's very cool. Um, so how do you do that? <laughs> so uh, so if you look at, you know, the, the e-bike space, right, you've got e-bikes of course uh which are you know the way i think about it e-bikes are kind of over engineered for the problem they're you know heavy they're you know uh expensive uh, so but then you know you do have e-bikes then you have uh these upgrade kits that you can buy online and you can upgrade your regular bike into an e-bike now those ones, you know, in my mind are, you know, too involved. There's heavy DIY involved. You have to, you know, in most cases, they send you like a wheel that you have to replace. You have to wire the whole thing up. So, you know, there's a high sort of barrier to entry for doing something like that. And when you do that, at the end of it, it kind of, you know, turns your bike permanently into a new bike. So what I wanted to kind of, you know, uh, sort of... Uh, imagine in this space was uh, a possibility which you know where we we have a, a device a consumer device which is you know like a phone or a laptop which you can you know uh, it's portable you can attach it to your bicycle when you want to use your bicycle as an e-bike and then just take it off just as easily uh, to kind of return to the pure form of bicycling and uh, and that was kind of the originating kind of idea. And also, you know, I kind of go back to a bit of the work that I did uh, while I was at the MIT Media Lab with this group around mobility. Um, and one of the key sort of pieces of, you know, insight uh, around urban mobility is that 50% and more of, you know, urban commutes, urban passenger commutes are between three to six miles. So, you know, a typical e-bike is is over-engineered for that. You know, you don't need such a big battery. You don't need such a heavy, you know, expensive e-bike. So so that was kind of, you know, one of the, the key uh, sort of ideas through which, you know, this category was kind of imagined. Very cool. And so, but I guess why are e-bikes so important? Why not, if if something if the average commute is three to six miles, why not just encourage people to bicycle, bicycle more? Yeah, and cycle. Yeah, you know, if, you, if you have a yeah. bike in your garage, why not just use that? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I can kind of you know relate to that because before I started Clip, uh, I kind of felt that 
you know, myself and intimately. And um, I was working in New York. I was working, you know, in Brooklyn and I had like a three and a half mile commute every day. And I bought a new bicycle. I just moved back to Brooklyn and I bought a new bicycle and I was doing that every day. And I very quickly kind of realized uh, like physically, like every evening, because the same ride every day is boring. It's, it's quotidian. There's nothing exciting happening, you know, in that time frame. Uh, it's like 15 minutes of commute, 15 to 20, sorry, 25, 22 minutes of commute. Especially if you have, you know, some uphill sections, like where I live in Park Slope versus where I worked in the Navy Yard, there is a long kind of a sustained uphill, not a massive uphill, but just a sustained uphill, just those annoying uphills. And you would see, you know, I would kind of like every day after the first month, the second month, it was like, man, this is a drag, like quite literally. And uh, also I would see others around me, you know, like just standing up on bikes, kind of, you know, um, exerting all of that effort. And that was kind of the originating kind of uh, nugget where it was like, you know, this sucks. Like, what is the solution? Like the solution was an e-bike, of course, where if I had an e-bike that that short, you know, three and a half mile commute, I would do it much faster, easily. I would, you know, arrive home, not sweaty. I would arrive work, not sweaty. But uh, but then, you know, that's kind of where the problem statement began to form. You know. And so how does the actual clip work? Because, um, yeah, the name is, the, the key I, is kind of in the name or the clues. In yeah, the yeah. The, so the clip essentially, you know, signifies the key value proposition, right? You can just clip it onto any bike and, well, you've got an e-bike. But the the key sort of, sort of, you know, principle, the drive principle is, um, is nothing new. It's, you know, it's been around for, uh, you know, many decades. I think the, the first kind of version of this was like back in 19, sorry, 1897, I think this French inventor called René Gillette, who used to build motorcycles, I think he's credited to have been come up with the idea of, you know, attaching a motor to the front of a bicycle in order to drive it, you know, on the outside, so as to kind of, you know, uh, create this, this, uh, this friction sort of point driving the front wheel. And, uh, and that idea kind of lay dormant for a few, you know, decades after until I think 1940s when uh, this French company called Velosolix, uh, or I, I don't know if the name of the company was Velosolix, but there was a product that came out of France called the Velosolix, which was essentially a 50cc engine, uh, an internal combustion engine with an aluminum roller driving the front wheel. And that was hugely successful. That sold about 8 million units worldwide. So the key drive principle and the key sort of methodology uh, has been around for a very long time. Uh, so it was all about optimizing this uh, this method that had been proven and uh, bring it into a form factor which would be light enough to kind of carry around with you uh, and you know sort of easy enough to attach to any bicycle. So yeah. Got it. And so, so how does it actually work? So you, you take it, how so, big is it? First of all, it's about this big. I, I should have actually brought one here. I, I'm in a, in a sound booth right now, but no worries. Uh, uh, it's about, you know, uh, 
about you know a sort of two feet i think that's the size uh weighs about you know eight pounds okay. um it um uh, it attaches to the front of the bicycle to the front to the fork of the front wheel so it has a clamping mechanism which uh essentially uh uses you know the geometry between the or rather uh uses geometry kind of connect to the fork and the wheel mm -hmm. so you align it to the fork you pull the clamp down and it's it's all very intuitive you kind of like find the optimal position and it, it's different for different bikes uh the angle shifts you know the amount of force is different so but it's all within the device that it uh you know intelligently kind of uh, attaches so there's a small motor in the front uh and there's a controller there's a battery and uh and there is a small bluetooth remote control unit that you take out of the main device and you strap onto the handlebar once you've attached the main clip unit to your bicycle when you start pedaling and you do nothing you just pedal naturally you'll feel a very slight amount of assist it'll almost feel like you're riding a very light bicycle and you know you can kind of ride around like that for as long as you want uh, now when you hit when you sort of get to an uphill or when you get to a bridge uh, there is a little red button on this bluetooth remote when you press that uh, it kicks in you know the main power and then it really pulls you up the slope uh, and uh, and you kind of pedal along to you know uh, have that assist and it reduces your effort by you know 60% mm. i would say and it's it just makes it really easy for you to kind of just go up a hill go up to a long distance uh, and then when you're kind of coming down a hill there's a separate sort of a white button which you when you press that it slows you down and in doing so it recharges your battery it kind of takes the you know the kinetic energy from the wheel and kind of puts it back into the battery so you can then have a fairly small lithium-ion footprint and have it last much longer than traditional sort of user experience e-bikes that's very cool so it's almost like the hybrid of biking yeah yeah and i guess the the point is it's um because it, it makes it easier to bike it um and you're you're just simplifying yeah like you said you know if you take your commute that you used to do during that uh annoying uphill that part right. stops being annoying because it's so much easier it just encourages yeah. people to cycle if if they're thinking oh, i don't really want to i don't want to go through this uphill exactly. thing all over again but with with the clip bike it just removes that sort of friction um and absolutely encourages I mean... people absolutely and if you look at you know like uh, commute patterns in most cities uh you know typically when you say you know uh, the bicycle is anyways one of the faster ways to kind of get within a four to five mile zone during rush hour especially so you know when you use an e-bike or when you use something like clip you can essentially you know cut that even further so you know what would typically take me about you know 22 to 25 minutes now takes me between 12 to 15 minutes and then when i arrive you know i'm not out of breath i'm not you know and when i'm riding i can you know i am more 
open and aware. I can look at things. I can enjoy that ride. Otherwise, you know, it's just kind of like, um, you know, you get exhausted. Yeah. You do this every day. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense because, yeah, if you get exhausted, then you think, I, I won't, I won't do it today. Um, and I guess instead yeah. I'll look for an alternative, which would be, I suppose, walking, but the distances we're talking about, it's a little too far. So that leaves yeah. us with taking a taxi. If you have a car and it makes sense, then you yeah. drive instead or public transportation. Um, exactly. And so from an environmental standpoint, I, I mean, well, actually just on the point of, I think we, the, the cars make sense, you know, there's a lot of cars on the road and, but out of curiosity, I mean, at least I typically live in London um, and public transportation there is amazing. And we're always encouraged to use public transportation because yeah, a lot less emissions, but um, I mean, why not just encourage people to use public transportation uh, instead of, you know, if they're not in the mood to bike, just use public transportation. What's how big is the difference if someone continues to cycle instead of using public transportation? No, absolutely. I think, you know, public transportation is, is definitely, you know, the way to go. I mean, public transit, you know, with this kind of a mixed model with, you know, public transit with last mile kind of bicycling, uh, is, you know, the way to go. I, I even feel that, you know, between three to four miles, you know, picking that up in the domain of bicycling and then, you know, anything further than that through public transport is, I think, the way to go. Uh, in terms of, you know, uh, of course, uh, public transit helps reduce urban congestion. You know, cars are like the major cause of urban congestion. Uh, of course, greenhouse gas emissions as well. Uh, but if we just look at like the scale of, say, greenhouse gas emissions, I think, you know, public transportation is about 25 times, you know, uh, that of, you know, a bicycle, which is, you know, if, if bicycle is at, is at X, then public transportation is about 25 to 23 X. Whereas, you know, a typical sort of a, a gasoline sort of internal combustion engine, is it about like a 200, uh, sorry, about a 160 X of this. So, so there is a huge kind of a difference. And also like in terms of throughput, you know, if public transportation, you know, can take care of about, I think, 12,000 commuters in one hour in terms of throughput, whereas, you know, cars are at about 1,000, whereas bicycles are at, are at a pretty decent, like, 4,000, 3,500 to 4,000. So I think, you know, bicycles and public transportation is the way to solve for, like, all urban transportation kind of issues. Yeah, it seems like, um, in, in addition to that, I mean, I, I've been to New York and it's busy um, to say the least. And I think everyone knows the stereotype, um, you know, of what New York looks like or, but even if you think of any city, whether it's London, Los Angeles, um, you know, Hong Kong, there's just a lot of, a lot going on. And sometimes bicycles, uh, unless the city is specifically designed for bicycles, if you drastically increase the number of cy cyclists on the road, I think it becomes extremely dangerous. So it seems to me like there's kind of a, um, at least in London, they're really encouraging, and they were doing this a lot during COVID, is um, reducing the amount of lanes for cars and instead building cycle lanes to encourage that. Right. Um, and, you know, if I think of uh, Amsterdam, for instance, where there's just, it's a city built for bicycles, uh, which is amazing. Right. Uh, it seems to me like, you know, that that's also a key 
component here is the whoever's in charge of transportation really needs to think about the infrastructure. And I wonder if there's a way, if they see that something like clip bike can drastically simplify or make it much easier for people to use bicycles, if that would encourage, you know, people or, or the government to change how cities are actually designed in order to encourage that. I yeah, absolutely. That. And no, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I come from a background studying architecture and urban design. So, so this is, you know, very kind of key to the whole, you know, plan, if you may. And, but the funny thing about bicycles is that, you know, it is kind of, you know, I, I grew up in India. I used to go to work, you know, when I was, when I just finished undergrad, you know, hanging out of buses, like just overpopulated buses, just overpopulated streets. And, uh, and it was just, you know, massive sort of issues around urban transit. Now, the funny thing was like, if, you know, more people started bicycling, um, the, the general sort of, you know, thinking around bicycling and suddenly sort of an increase in bicycling in existing infrastructure is that it becomes more dangerous. But it's actually the opposite because what happens when you start having these larger cohorts of bicyclists, you start, you know, the whole system starts becoming safer. Uh, you see a drop in, you know, uh, in traditional, uh, you know, single, you know, sort of vacant, you know, passenger vehicles, uh, you know, sort of, you know, they say safety in numbers. I mean, that kind of begins to happen. And in Amsterdam, the transformation of, you know, Amsterdam is kind of related to that as well, uh, or uh, rather a testament to that. Uh, because once more people started using, I mean, nobody wears helmets in Amsterdam. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, there is no other kind of uh, way to think about bicycling there. It's just a part of life. So to do something like that, I think first, uh, we have to make it really easy for people to, you know, be able to bicycle. Uh, and the way to do that is, I think, e-bikes for sure. I think there is enough ample sort of proof from the past you know few years uh, that uh, e-bikes will be the dominant sort of uh, you know mobility kind of mode uh, then as that happens I think uh, policy will kind of shift and take form around you know the designing of infrastructure the design of street corners you know all of that so I think it's 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 certainly linked. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. It's um, policy, uh, although I, I really know very much, I, I know very little about this, but from what I'm seeing, at least patterns, is that frequently policy is actually a response to what's happening. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, looking at it from the other direction rather than waiting for governments to make the changes and then we all start cycling instead if everyone starts cycling then governments will realize okay we actually need to um right. kind of accommodate this this change in in the way our cities are being used is the is the clip waterproof because i'm just thinking in new york um the weather is not always sunny and perfect for for cycling I mean, New York is pretty good, actually. Okay. Uh, you know, London probably would be, you know, a lot 
worse in that aspect but new york is 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 pretty good in terms of weather i mean of course you know i mean i i still sort of bicycle even though it's very cold uh and it's going to snow soon mm-hmm. so clip is kind of you know designed to work in the wet uh you know we have this um sort of you know a, a way for clip to kind of adjust to a wet road when you know it needs to work in the wet um in terms of you know so clip we really kind of wanted to focus on the commuter uh aspect and we've kind of seen you know uh, it's well documented that you know bike commuting kind of goes down when it rains uh you know especially you know during wet days so for us i think that's okay to some degree and especially because clip is so easily you know uh, detachable if you are really the hardcore bicyclist who wants to rain you know bicycle no matter rain or shine i think those days you can kind of take clip off so i think the short answer to the question is it's not fully waterproof yet it is water resistant uh we you know up to a certain sort of light rain but uh, we are kind of going through you know several sort of uh, value engineering sort of uh, sequences to kind of you know bring that in as well uh, i mean being an early stage startup and building hardware is is extremely difficult so you know so you kind of have to bring um, the other extreme value propositions you know uh, as we kind of move forward yeah just on the point of being a startup um and building hardware i mean how has that process been going because it's much more like you said i imagine this is what you're referring to it's much more resource intensive than you know hiring a few software engineers and just uh, doing code absolutely yeah absolutely so- i mean i yeah i mean prior to clip i built a software company uh and i know how short the iteration cycle for example is you know and i've experienced it and i kind of look back on those days with you know uh, fondness because um you can have like a half baked application send it out you know get feedback iterate fast and you know uh, everything is fine uh but when it comes to hardware uh you really have to get like the mvp in a hardware is on a different level than an mvp in software so you have to get a lot of things right uh and especially when you're trying to kind of you know productize uh, a design you know manufacturing comes into play uh, with manufacturing you know supply chain comes into play uh and you know you clearly sort of everyone is aware of all of the supply chain issues that the world kind of faced uh, over the last 2 years so all of those things have been an extreme challenge uh building this out but you know but we've kind of persevered we've have a great team uh, both here in the US as well as in India where we are manufacturing these units mm-hmm. and uh and yeah we are ready to kind of uh, start building these in at scale so we've you know shipped 102 units uh the first production units uh we've gained a lot of feedback from those units uh, all of that process is also very slow in hardware because you send it out people you know use it you give them a month to start coming up with you know real insightful feedback uh and then once you get that insightful feedback then it takes another couple of months to really you know uh sort of 
build on those and you know design and engineering changes and test them then you you know build those out i mean you build the prototypes then you build the actual thing then you test the actual thing uh, there's quality control so there's many 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 pieces in uh, bringing this to uh, the world and uh, now we are at a stage thankfully where we are very close uh, we are you know the the uh, we are ready to kind of go into scaled production from Q1 uh, 2023 onwards. Wow, cool. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I imagine, I mean, another chain, another kind of big difference, I would think, between having a hardware and a software product is with software, you can actually watch in real time how people use it and get yeah, metrics yeah. like right away and you and you you know you've built yeah. some functionality and no one's using it and you're just like why isn't anyone right. using it what you know and you can watch it happening in real time whereas with this yeah you just send them out and then you just sort of sit and wait and then yeah. i mean we do you know uh my co-founder uh he's you know he's fantastic uh in engaging with all of our customers uh Clément, and uh you know, and he, he he does a rigorous, he does this very rigorously, sort of uh, getting the feedback, you know, documenting it. Uh, so, so yeah, that is, that is a whole other process. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just going back to the, to the, uh, to the Bluetooth, and I saw on your website that there's something about um, either you're developing or there's already a, um, an app that goes on your, your phone. Uh, so yeah. what is that app? So uh, this product is essentially an IoT product, right? And uh, we are, you know, sort of developing this, I mean, let's call this a version 1.0. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, you know, two other sort of variants in the pipeline. There's a 1.5 and there's a version two. Now the goal of the app is essentially to be an overlay across these multiple devices being used across the world. Different versions are going to be marketed for different geographies. So this app essentially will be able to uh, record uh, rider behavior in different parts of the world. Mm. Uh, you'll, you know, so for someone who is interested in knowing about their carbon footprint, uh, the amount of bicycling that they did versus assisted bicycling, it'll be able to give them that kind of breakdown. The app will have a geo aspect to this. Uh, it'll be able to, uh, you know, localize you and give you benefits around your neighborhood, building, you know, a community around you and other sort of clip riders. Uh, it'll also, you know, there are certain aspects which in the app, which will be like the way uh, Waze works for cars. Uh, there will be aspects where if you see certain you know, uh, moments in the city that you want to record and log as a data point, you'll be able to do so uh, in a crowdsourced kind of a way. So you'd be able to kind of create a crowdsourced map of your city, your neighborhood, uh, and be able to kind of, you know, uh, use that to, you know, improve on things, to build community around things, uh, uh, that kind of a application. Makes sense. That sounds much more like what you're used to working on uh, back from your software yes. days. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking that that kind of information would be really cool because ultimately, 
you actually can track now without having to log exactly. it yourself manually. You actually have exactly. a tool that does it for you. And they will be, you know, uh, so the version 1.5 and the 2.0 will also have a swappable battery aspect to this because we want to kind of market this to, you know, uh, customers uh, for a low price point. So we are mm -hmm. looking at, you know, India, Africa, where, you know, the price point has to be much lower. So we're going to, you know, we are sort of building a way for these users to be able to buy the base product at a fairly low cost and then uh, use the battery swap uh, sort of uh, mode and use the app to kind of pay for it. So there will be okay. you know aspects of payments kind of linked to it as well. Okay. So yeah, it sounds uh, like a... Ultimately, yeah, ultimately like the whole thing that I kind of see this is, is more like an app store. Uh, for you know different types of apps related to bicycling uh, that can be used on Clip. So yeah, mm -hmm. makes sense. And so you're saying um, selling it in Africa and India, and I and I realize based on what you, what you're saying that it's not ready yet for purchase on a retail basis. It sounds like the version 1.0 is okay. Great. Yeah. So the version 1.0, you know, we are selling this in the US. Uh, we've already, you know, sold about a uh, thousand pre-orders. We've nice. asked for that. We are kind of building those out. Uh, we will be uh, marketing this in Europe next, uh, in Q2 of next year. Mm -hmm. uh, so the version 1.0 is ready to go, fully debugged, ready for, you know, scale production. Uh, the version 1.5 and the 2 are uh, are on the next uh, sort of, so we they are going to be sort of targeted towards India and Africa. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, good luck. I mean, it sounds, sounds very exciting to see it finally coming out, coming together and, and, and scaling up and out. Um, out of, out of curiosity with, um, just in terms of distance, because we've, we've been talking so far about your standard commute, you know, three to five miles. Um, but what happens if, if you actually just want to do like a really nice long bike ride along the beach? Um, but, you're feeling kind of lazy yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. you just want to go um, have a, an easy bike ride. How long will it last? How long will the battery last? How far can you go? Definitely. I mean, that's a, that's a great question. We, we get this question, you know, from a, from a few of our sort of customers as well uh, with the current battery uh, you know, I've done up to, you know, 18 miles, 15 to 18 miles uh, with this current battery. Mm. Uh, depends on how aggressively I use that red button. So because I have these two modes of cycling, I can basically cycle on the low assist for a fairly long distance. But, you know, if I don't draw enough power using, you know, the boost. Now, for longer distances, you know, the way that we're kind of thinking about is twofold. One is to produce this, you know, accessory like this bag that you can, you know, carry with you or on a bicycle and carry clip with you on that. So if you're going for, say, you know, a hundred mile ride or, a, you know, a 50 mile kind of like a, you know, a coastline kind of a ride, you can choose when to use it. So whenever you feel the need, you can attach it ride it, use it like that. The other way that we're thinking about is an auxiliary sort of a battery that, you know, you have it attached and then you just buy this auxiliary battery and you can kind of drip charge it as you're riding mm -hmm. these long distances. Uh, they are not, these ideas are not productized yet. They're still kind of, you know, we're waiting for how 
the market kind of reacts to this. If we see enough demand in either of these, uh, we will kind of pursue that. Got it. Makes sense. But 18 miles is a decent amount. I mean, for, you know, for yeah. like a, a nice Saturday bike ride, that's I <laughs> yeah. think that's great. No, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And how, how long does it take to recharge? I mean, you know, if you are using it for your commute, you know, to go oh, to work. So, so if when I use it, uh, you know, for a six mile, six and a half mile back and forth, uh, actually seven miles, so three and a half, three and a half, right? So uh, I only charge it, you know, once. So essentially on the way back home, it's a bit of an uphill. So, you know, I sort of use up about 75%, uh, sorry, 25% of the battery. And then on the way back, I kind of like, it's mostly downhill. So I, you know, use the region quite a bit. So when I arrive back the next day at work, I'm still, you know, at a 75% kind of charge left. Okay. So it depends on how much you use, you know, the red button versus the white button. You know, there's this kind of like balance out recharge versus. Um, so so, uh, so the question was, you know, how long does it take to recharge? Sorry, it's, it takes about 60 minutes for like from zero to full. Okay. Uh, but regular top ups are between 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, so it's very quick. I mean, you're you're not gonna have to wait. Yeah. Um, no, it's not like an electric car where you better plug it in right when you get home, yeah. or else you won't be able to drive the I next mean, day. <laughs> exactly. Like if you're going on a long ride, you could just carry your charger and just you know have a coffee and charge it. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, and what would you say are some future trends you'd like to see just in the personal transportation? space um to to lead us to a more sustainable you know transportation industry i think you know um you know a, a really sort of a, a good mix between public transit and micro mobility like bicycles uh, i think you know in the micro mobility space i think the bicycle is a clear winner. You know, we, we saw a sort of a surge of e-scooters in the past mm. two years, three years. It kind of lasted more as a fad, quite, you know, work out in the three to six mile kind of a zone. It was more in the one mile, one and a half mile kind of a zone. And it created more problems than it solved them. You know, there were other problems in sidewalk littering and all kinds of things. So... So from the point of view of a platform, I think the bicycle is the best platform to, you know, uh, to deploy clean, sustainable mobility in the three to six mile range. Anything outside of that to be, you know, if you can couple that with transit, I think that would make so much sense. I mean, in a lot of cities, you know, you can carry your bicycles, uh, you have special bicycle cars, you have you know, you can put a bicycle in front of the bus, you know, there are ways to kind of, you know, mix the two. I think that is needed uh, more. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and of course, you know, from the policy side, like infrastructure, bringing in more bike infrastructure, bringing in more sort of pedestrian and bicycle kind of co-mingled. Uh, one of the, you know, the, the nasty things that the car industry did was it kind of put you know, the pedestrians and the bicyclists at odds with each other. And I think that's something that, you know, needs to be completely dismantled. And like pedestrians and bicycling is kind of 
the the same thing, which again needs to be more and more in cities. Absolutely. So, and and why does your work, well, does your work make you optimistic about the future, especially for the environment? Uh, it does because, um, I mean, one, of course, you know, it is kind of like an urgent, there is a certain urgency around, you know, around climate action. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, people, you know, there are so many people working on so many brilliant ways to uh, bring down emissions, capture emissions. So a lot of these strategies are kind of, you know, the, the payout is still far away, um, you know, carbon capture. Uh, uh, and a lot of these technologies are still, you know, eight to 10 years away in terms of, you know, deployment. Electric cars are not the solution. Um, they are, you know, uh, uh, they don't really solve for congestion, nor do they solve for emissions uh, because of where they pull the electricity from. So what I see is that a lot of people are beginning to realize the efficacy of bicycling as a platform in bridging this gap over the next three to seven years mm-hmm. uh, in kind of bringing down uh, you know, carbon emissions, uh, and also just improving city life in general, you know, just less congestion, more bicycles. I think that just, you know, it's, it's a win. Uh, so, so there is a trend in that direction, uh, which, you know, is promising to see, uh, which is great. Um, so yeah, just to be part of that, I think it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, quite cool. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And, and I agree. I mean, Cities are when when there was COVID and and I was in London and yeah. there were no cars on the road. It was pretty cool. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it was strange at first, but then you sort of got used to it and you realize actually the city is like really fun to walk around in without having to think yeah. about cars. Um, and yeah, even even with with bicycles um, going, you know, it's um, it's not like they they. I mean, even if they do hit you, which they won't, but it's not going to kill you like a car or a bus. Yeah, one. yeah, exactly. And yeah, you you feel like you can coexist together. And um, I, I can see why there is a trend in certain cities and in certain parts of cities to really remove cars and really encourage either walking or cycling. And yeah, being in Amsterdam, it was, it was pretty cool just to see these insane, like yeah. bicycle traffic. I've never seen anything quite like it before. Um, and yeah, no one, like you said, no one was wearing helmets and it's just the way it is. And um, yeah, so, somehow it, it just works really well. And yeah. the city is quieter, it's cleaner, the air is cleaner uh, and more people can move um, yeah. without needing to, to rely on cars. So I think I think it, there's a lot of good that can come from it. Um, so if people want to pre-order Clip and get started with making their um, cycling journeys easier, where's the best place for people to go and, and learn about it and, and pre-order one? So we can pre-order on our website, clip.bike. Uh, you usually, right now we are on like a $50 uh, wait list so you pre-order you get on a wait list and then you know we deliver we are beginning our scale production from q1 so 
next year, you know, the delivery cycle is going to be a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, the other really interesting thing right now, which, you know, I should mention is that we're also uh, raising uh, a seed round right now. Okay. And we have, uh, you know, so if uh, this podcast is going out to any interesting investors who would like to kind of engage with us in the climate action space, uh, please get in touch with me and I would love to kind of you know, engage on that. Uh, we also have a crowd equity uh, piece, which is on private mode right now. So uh, I don't know if you would like me to share the link for that and I can, you know, share that as well. Yeah, that, that would be great. And and just um, in case we publish this um for anyone listening, um, when Psalm says Q1, that's Q1 of 2023 for anyone who's who's listening. So, um, but yeah, you know, I think the opportunity to invest in these kind of uh, platforms is really exciting as well. And for anyone who's interested in purchasing one, um, you can go on clip.bike uh, to take a look. And yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense from an investment point of view to at least look into, as you call it, the micro transportation for all the reasons we've mentioned, uh, especially with the huge trend right now for people to move into cities. So cities are just going to get busier, more crowded, more congested. And this is a very easy way to alleviate um, a lot of a lot of those challenges. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are two trends which kind of converge. One is, you know, the movement of uh, increasing densities in cities and the need for cleaner transportation. Mm-hmm. And the other is a clear, is a very clear trend of, you know, rising e-bike ownership. You know, people are buying e-bikes and the e-bike market is, uh, you know, sort of projected to sort of double over the next five years. Oh, wow. So the question is not really, you know, whether people are going to buy e-bikes or use e-bikes i think the question then becomes you know what is the most efficient what is the easiest and the most affordable way for you know to getting most people onto e-bikes mm-hmm. and uh, and i believe clip is the answer for that because it, it's you know the plug and play kind of category that it you know sets out for itself i think that enables you know millions of people to you know the bicycles that they have lying around uh, or the regular bicycle that they're planning to sort of buy, uh, they can basically just get a clip unit and uh, you know electrify those bicycles without kind of compromising the pure experience of bicycling when they want to as well. Yeah, we, we actually didn't even touch on this, but the idea, I mean, that kind of ties into another really big theme and sustainability, which is the circular economy. I mean, if right. because it, otherwise, you know, if you want an electric bike, and you already have a bicycle at home, you're going to buy this electric bike and either throw away, hopefully not, but throw away or, or get rid of or something with this other bicycle that you're no longer going to use anymore. And I mean, it's a bit of a waste of resource. It's actually a huge waste of resources. Absolutely. That's um, a huge point. Yeah. Not to mention it's, yeah. it's way more expensive to buy like a whole new bike, whereas yeah. you can buy this little clip on. And actually, I didn't even ask how, how much is a clip? Uh, right now we are selling it at 549. Okay. So you know it's about uh, one third the cost of a regular you know mm-hmm. e-bike, but you know good e-bikes kind of go above two thousand dollars and above. Um, so uh, so yeah. Yeah. 
so to the point i mean save money save the environment go with yeah. um with a clip exactly and and, the, and it's it's you know carbon footprint is minimal like it's lithium ion footprint itself is it's really minimal um so you know there is uh, a, a huge sort of uh advantage to reusing uh, all of these bicycles there are like 170 million bicycles in the us alone which wow. you know could be put to work uh, there are millions of bicycles in india africa government distributes free bicycles uh, to you know uh, sort of in these rural areas i mean they could all be kind of you know upgraded at scale uh, in an affordable kind of a way so that's the mission yeah and i just realized um in in the UK or in London, at least you have these, and I've seen it in other places where you have the bike sharing, um, which right. is government mandated. I mean, I see no reason. And, and I actually just remember it was on your website as well that, I mean, you can just attach a clip bike to one of those. You don't even need to buy a bicycle. You just Absolutely. go yeah. pay a you know, couple dollars or whatever it is to, to rent it, um, attach yeah. it and, and off you go. And it's and it's really cool to see because you know it works on the city bike in New York. Uh, my co-founder Clem, he was in uh, Amsterdam, Barcelona, Paris, and we have these great videos of him kind of doing demos, giving demos to people using the OV Fiat's in Amsterdam, the Wheelib system in in Paris. So it was really great to see like this one device is basically you know it's flown over the ocean and it's working in all these other different bikes. So it's pretty nice to see. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Sam, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck. Uh, sounds like the next year, 2023, is going to be a really exciting one for you with launching, uh, shipping your products, doing your um, your your uh, seed round. So best of luck with everything and great to hear about how you're making public transport or um, how you're making transportation more uh, sustainable and affordable. And uh, yeah, best of luck to you and the team at Clipbike. Thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure talking to you. It was a really wonderful conversation and it just felt really easy talking to you. So that was great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com.